Welcome back, everyone. We're now in season two of the Unpolished MBA podcast, and today I have a special guest. This guest is one of the most influential entrepreneurs in the world, having had created the customer development methodology, which is the foundation for the lean startup movement. Now I know, I just use some terms that are not common everyday language for most, but they are in the entrepreneurship and innovation ecosystems around the world. You may have heard of his Lean Launchpad class, which many may know as the National Science Foundation I-Corps program. Now, this class is the standard for commercialization for all federal research. Now, on a personal level, the information I've learned over the years from this guest has fundamentally changed the way I approach entrepreneurship as well as how I've influenced hundreds of others that I've worked with as clients or taught entrepreneurship to at the university. You see, in my work, I mention his name or reference his work at least weekly. It's simply incredible the impact that he's had and continues to have on the world as innovation and entrepreneurship continues to drive economic development and growth. You are sure to take away many insights from my conversation with Mr. Steve Blank. I had the honor of being invited to have dinner at his home with other innovators from around the world, and subsequently he agreed to this interview with me. Throughout the conversation, you'll hear us reference the time frame of 40 years. Now, this is because I was speaking with him about the 40-year anniversary of ATDC at Georgia Tech, which is the oldest tech incubator in the country that's located in Atlanta, Georgia, on Georgia Tech's campus. And I also have the pleasure of serving as a coach and connector for a portfolio of groundbreaking tech startups there. In this first part of the interview, I asked Steve's opinion on the power and effectiveness of innovation hubs, how far things have come, and then an outlook on where it's going. Listen in to see what he says. So one of the great things about a uh, innovation cluster or innovation ecosystem is that it's a real melting pot of technology types of people. And more importantly, if you build an innovation ecosystem, it's not just a jobs program for the local economy. It's actually a magnet for some of the best and the brightest and most interesting and innovative cultures that come from everywhere and converge on the region. Uh, Atlanta already has a rich tradition of um, people coming in uh, from other places and, and making it home. Um, but when you have a vibrant tech industry, whether it's life sciences or hardware or software or, or anything else, uh, this notion of as a tractor um, actually is a magnet for jobs and, uh, and innovation that lasts forever, uh, not just for one company. What do you think are the most notable changes in building a business that has occurred over the last 40 years and what pillars have remained? Well, what's interesting is if you look back on innovation and entrepreneurship uh, 40 years ago, it's almost like we were in the Stone Age. You know, we, we barely had invented the wheel about, uh, about even the basic concepts of uh, startups. 
we used to believe that startups were nothing more than smaller versions of large companies. Uh, today, we understand that startups are radically different than startups search for business models while large companies execute them. But more importantly, we develop tools that is a method for rapidly developing startups step, uh, step by step. The other thing that's happened is, of course, is that the cost of, uh, of starting a company has plummeted almost by a factor of a thousand if you're in the software business. Um, now computing is a utility, just like you plug into the wall for electricity, you plug into Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure or Google Cloud, and just buy computing rather than buying computers that sit in your, in your company. Um, the third is, and, and I think this one em embraces Atlanta, is that uh, innovation and entrepreneurship is everywhere. Um, it used to be that you had to be in Sand Hill Road or maybe Boston if you were doing life sciences to um, understand what's going on in innovation entrepreneurship. Now you could just sit on your computer and know more about innovation, how to build a company uh, than ever existed uh, in Silicon Valley 40 years ago. Uh, so the tr changes have been dramatic. Uh, they didn't happen in one day, but uh, if you look back, uh, I think uh, innovation has gone from a uh, niche activity to now one that powers the entire economy of not only the US, but the world. Oh, absolutely. In this next part, Steve tells us how Silicon Valley becoming the innovation powerhouse that it's become was actually an accident. You see, it wasn't an engineered ecosystem. It evolved into what it is today from mostly one person's idea and the support of many others in the local area that were willing to step outside of their comfort zones and share ideas and resources. Keep listening. You know, one of the things that people forget is that the Silicon Valley, and that is the region between San Francisco and San Jose, was an accident. It wasn't an engineered ecosystem. Uh, the one, one professor at Stanford actually uh, had more to do with it than, than probably anybody else, someone named Fred Terman, who turned Stanford from an inward-facing university to an outward-facing university, where he actually told professors and and grad students that it was actually good for your career to interact with uh, the commercial world uh, than it was to just sit here and get your PhD. While he encourages students to, to get their PhDs, he encouraged them and their faculties to sit on boards, to start companies, et cetera. So step one is having an outward facing university where faculty and administration is actually supportive of, uh, of commercial activities. The second part, and this was very interesting in watching um, Mike Bloomberg and New York City engineer an ecosystem from scratch, um, is the fact that if, if you have entrepreneurs and innovation, um, but all you have is entrepreneurs and innovation, you just have one hand clapping. Uh, it really requires the, uh, uh, the addition of a financial ecosystem. That is, without risk capital, um, you don't have an ecosystem. Well, if you really think about it, the, nowadays almost every city, state, region has entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs all have um, access to entrepreneurial information on how to build a startup. And almost every region has uh, angel capital or, or the beginnings of risk capital. But there's probably only 10 places in the world you could raise $100 million. And that's what makes an innovation cluster at scale. 
not that innovation isn't occurring everywhere, but to have a cluster, you need risk capital at scale. And I think we could, in the U.S., kind of think about maybe three or four places in the U.S. where that exists. That exists a couple of places in China, uh, maybe in uh, north of Tel Aviv, in London, and then you're kind of out of uh, out of places where that exists. Um, I think Atlanta uh, uh, is getting close, um, but those are kind of my definition of a uh, innovation cluster. Um, never thought of it that way, but yeah, without risk capital. Right. The innovation goes nowhere. Well, no, actually, without risk capital, it's not that innovation goes nowhere. Um, w without risk capital, innovation goes to Silicon Valley. Ooh, wow. <laughs> that hurts. But you're right. right. <laughs> you're you right. You started in Atlanta, and then you'll go where the money is. That's exactly uh, what's happened. You're absolutely right. So money fuels, um, risk, money fuels innovation clusters. Um, it at least clusters at scale. Yeah. And, and this it takes nothing away from the innovators or the institutions that exist in that area. Uh, but if you can't attract capital in building a regional cluster, um, and, and, and by capital, I mean capital at scale, a vibrant um, risk capital business with a lot of pre-seed, seed, and, and then series A and B and follow-on investing, you don't have a cluster at scale. And, and it's questionable about how many clusters at scale can the country actually support. Um, but that seems to me to be the definition of, of why Silicon Valley, New York, uh, maybe Boston, San Diego for life sciences kind of exist. In this final part, I asked Steve for words of wisdom for entrepreneurs to best serve their industries right now. Listen to the top three points that he shares. Well, I, I think some of the things that entrepreneurs can do to best serve their industries are, are the ones that are kind of timeless. Um, and, and that is, uh, you know, make sure if you're going to be a founder of a startup that you understand it's the world's worst job, but the world's best calling. Um, that is, founders are closer to artists than any other profession. Um, it's that uh, passion to create something that will take you through the inevitable ups and downs and disappointments, uh, but your eye is always on the prize rather than the activity. The second is, is um, do something that matters. Um, you know, when you're young and passionate, um, you think you have all the time in the world, and, and, uh, and, 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 it, and unfortunately, it's not true. And you want to look back on the things you did and say, were these things that made the world a better place? Um, and, uh, and, and maybe you could make money uh, uh, along the way, um, but it's worth considering that. Uh, the third is, is uh, to remember that not all startups require venture capital or, or professional capital, is that there are some great businesses that could be bootstrapped or could be um, capital could come from other places. Um, and, and I guess the, the last thing is uh, enjoy what you do. If you don't love it, find something else because it's, a, it's one heck of a ride. Thank you so much, Steve. It seems just normal to you, I know, but for us, those words of wisdom are meaningful. We actually take actions based upon your, your insight. I took notes on things you were saying when I was there, bring it back to what they do at Georgia Tech to become more in alignment for us to see that kind of growth and kind of ecosystem that you all have there. 
And yeah, we still have a ways to go, but it's only through insights from those like you that we're able to make changes and adjustments, you know, that's still culturally uh, appropriate for, for our uh, area of the region, but still there's certain things that are kind of pillars. One, uh, one that you mentioned, funding is, is a huge deal. Right. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, thank you so much for your time. Okay, that's it. So what do you think? Steve Blank is a legend in the entrepreneurship and innovation community, and it was an absolute honor to get to spend time with him. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.